Welcome to A Bitter Jury, a show breaking down all things Big Brother Canada Season 10. On today's episode, we go over what we're calling Week 6 in the Big Brother Canada household. A week that saw a backdoor attempt go awry. Of course, I'm referring to head of household Gino's attempt to take out longtime foe Marty. His plan, work a little backdoor action. And of course, we've seen so many backdoors unfold throughout the course of this Season 10 in Canada That attempt, though, thwarted by the veto power winner in the end. It was Helena putting a little bit of a wrench in Gino's plan, ultimately causing a changing of the script throughout the week. Of course, here on today's show, we want to break it all down, talk about the household dynamics that unfolded, talk about that secret power of veto remaining unused by JC Lynn. Might that be one of those inflection points in this season? Of course, we'll break it all down and so much more here on today's show. And if you're going to talk about everything happening in the Big Brother household. You better have some help. Thankfully, I do each and every week on this show. And I should say, I apologize for missing last week. Truth be told, I think I have a talking quota throughout the week, and I used it in my other role as a tennis podcaster. That said, happy to be back today and happy to be joined by the two men who have helped me steer the ship here in our coverage of Big Brother Season 10. We start with the man who will be producing this show on the ones and twos. I refer to him as super producer. You know him as a man. You watch it. He lives it. It's our friend Daniel Westoff. Westoff, welcome back to the show. Sneakily, season 10 nearing its home stretch. How are you feeling? I am feeling great, actually, because we, as a tennis podcasting company, have reached the final stretch of our college season, which (laughs) to me means... It's almost Big Brother U.S. season, so I'm getting excited for that. But, no, couldn't be more happy with the way this Big Brother Canada season 10 is going. You know, I really came in hesitant whether I'd be a BB Canada fan. And at this point, this could be up there with one of my top five favorite seasons of BB that I've probably ever watched. And bear with me today because I'm now so enthralled with the season that I'm juggling my week six knowledge with next week's week seven knowledge. And I'm already on week eight knowledge with the behind the scenes stuff. So I'm all at this point. I'm 50% sure I included information I shouldn't have in that intro. Nevertheless, we persist here on the bitter jury. And I will say again, I talk about you living it. We watch it. Here's how I know you are fully ingratiated into this season of Big Brother Canada. You know, normally, breakfast time, maybe we see Chick-fil-A, maybe we see McDonald's. I'm pretty sure you brought home a Wendy's poutine, which I'm like, we live in Indianapolis. Like, where are you finding uh, this product here in our local area? Nevertheless, uh, yeah, it has been a fantastic season. The competitions get better and better with every passing week, and so does the drama in the household and to help us break down all of the interpersonal workings happening in the house is our expert joining us as he does every week it's our friend charles matthew charles i miss your voice i miss seeing your smiling face welcome back to this week's show how are you feeling down the season's home stretch oh wow um you know it's been a while uh, i feel since we've been on here but i'm gonna have to agree with daniel this is a it's a top five season for me amongst all of my big brother watching there. There are so many good personalities, so many good twists. Um, as you've already said, I mean, their competitions are just straight, no limit soldier fucking boot cap type shit. And I'm here for it. So happy to be back. 
And we no, haven't had a, we, we haven't had a steamroll yet. Usually at this point in the season, you've at least had a half season steamroll, and mm. everything's still completely up in the air. It's just so much fun this season. Well, there's still no central alliance, right? And so frequently, and particularly again last season of Big Brother America, you had the cookout, which dictated all of the action down the final nine, ten weeks of the season's home stretch, and certainly the last few weeks, finding out who is going to emerge as the champion within the cookout. Uh, you know, it felt like once Xavier uh, started winning some, you know, again things became pretty clear at that point of the show. You know, we're in week six, approaching week seven. I still don't think there's a clear-cut front runner. I think we could do things by tier, and I do think a tier one, maybe tier two, tier three has emerged of people likely to win the championship, and I'm going to throw that in the outline, and we'll do that at the end of this show. But I do want to talk big picture here, and we're going to save this for after the season finished, but I think we have to do this now. I want to start with you, Charles. Are the competitions in Big Brother Canada, is Big Brother Canada just a better show than Big Brother U.S.? I mean, you look at some of these competitions, and I believe, all right, I'm a week ahead, I apologize, but you look at what we saw this past week with the Hanging Wall competition, which uh, is ultimately used in the Head of Household. And I won't say who wins. It, but it's all a practice season. Guests, we can spoil a little bit. Yeah, who but can. no, uh, how about this? I'm not going to say who wins, but I'll say this. All the house guests have to hold on to planks on this leaning wall, and it ends up being, you know, again, this five-hour-long competition. Uh, it That is just brutal. Physically, and then you know, for their power of veto, they're sitting in a freaking coffin, you know, dug under with worms being dumped on them and water being put in, and they have to fit, you know, count to a hundred minutes in their head. You're just, you're going, you're asking these players, you know, you're driving them insane. Which, from a viewing perspective, is all you want in entertainment. It is unequivocally entertaining. And while I do think there are some built-in cringe moments that you're just like, let's get rid of these moving forward. Like I never want to have to see another speech period like uh i mean anytime a, a person is pitching while they're saving themselves again it's you're just like uh all right i'm gonna agree with you charles and we'll get into this later i actually we saw a genuine moment from summer this past week in week seven that we'll talk about next week where i was like oh man i really like that summer but the persona summer puts on for some of the speeches i'm just like like, this is all for show. Like, just kill me with this. That said, the show in itself in Canada, I mean, it is delivering. Yeah, I, you know, do I think that it's better? I don't know if I can answer that since this is my first experience with BB Canada. So it's a little more scripted yeah, is what I was yeah. trying to refer to with this. Like you just feel yeah. like there are parts that they're like, Summer, do that take again. Like, but a little more drama, please. Or like this week, the rooftop house party and yeah. Josh having to like read the script and do this like weird, like energetic, like, hurrah, we're going to have a great party. Like it's cringe. Yeah, there's a lot of that in the show. I'll say. I don't, you're right. It's too hard to say which if one's better or not, especially only watching one season. I say uh, the difference here is like BBUS with these competitions will go all out on the budget, making it look nice. And then the competition itself is kind of a dud. You know, they'll build like this huge maze with like vines and like put and like statues that light up and smoke machines. And I'll, in the end, it's just they run around for five minutes and, and press a button. Whereas Canada's like, no, 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 we don't really have that big a budget. So let's just think of these really like 
multi-tier, multi-level stages of competitions with puzzles and physical and whatnot and stuff that like the viewer can relate to and be like, I could see myself doing that and and then kind of like measuring up to it. So it's it's just like taking a little bit of the showmanship out and just like making it a competition. That's really like, that's why I watch the show. I'm not here for all these showman's packages this week with Gino and Jace. Like, give me more of these competition uh, cuts and highlight reels. Well, I think it's pretty good. But even like this week, again, the search for the secret power. Like, A, do I like the animated voices? I do because I was like, JC Lynn, you have four minutes, 12 seconds remaining. <laughs> like, I'll laugh at that, of course. But again, final word on this goes to you, Charles. Is it too scripted or is it that entertaining? For me, you get the vote of entertaining. I, I mean, agree. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's a rea- quote unquote reality show. So, you know, that things are scripted and things are led in a certain direction, but I do feel like they've still gotten to play and it still has that genuine feel of big brother where you don't know what the hell's going on half the time. Um, and you're kind of, you know, if you're like me, kind of kept on the edge of your seat, looking at your laptop with your jaw on the ground. So, <laughs> Yeah. No, I mean, again, that's what it's all about. And with that in mind, let's get into what we saw this past week in the Big Brother Canada household. And, you know, as we look, you know, that's how you know I've been watching a lot. Uh, <laughs> as you look at this Big Brother house and the power dynamics that unfolded, and we've talked about it just about every week, there is still no clear-cut dominant alliance that is dictating the rate of play. Certainly, you see some duos. You know Josh and Betty are locked together. Obviously, the showmans, Gino and JC Lynn, they're locked together. Kevin uh, and Helena seem to be pretty closely locked together as well. And, you know, Marty's in a couple of different places. There are fives. There are fours. There are all of these different things. That said, none of that really is seeming to matter. As week after week, and I have to get into accent here, it's Gino, it's Marty, it's Gino, it's Marty. This week it was another Gino victory as Gino captures the head of household. And as we're building resumes, as we look towards the end of the season, I talked earlier about how I think clear-cut favorites have emerged. I mean, again, given his prowess for winning competitions outside of one terrible spelling of the word nominee – Gino has won just about everything he's entered. You know, the only time he's not winning head of household is when he's not allowed to play because he has won the week before. Let's start there. And I'll I'll start with you again, Charles. I think Gino is an unequivocal tier one uh, contender after this week. And we may know a little bit more because we've seen ahead. But coming out of that week six head of household competition, I think that's the first time you feel as a Big Brother Canada fan. All right, like Gino's the favorite. I am not gonna label him as the favorite, even coming out of that week. But because tier one, I, I feel for sure, for okay. sure. Um, <clears throat> I wait not to divert you right as you're yeah. starting the answer. If but just real quick, if you had to put a favorite label on someone, who would it be? And then you can. Keep uh, going. Yeah, um, it's Kevin. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The West uh, stuff is strong in you, Charles. All I ever hear <laughs> about is Kevin, Kevin, Kevin. But hey, go on. I apologize. Hey, hey, I've said I've said Kevin since day one. Um, but no, you know, Gino again. You know, and I will take this from from Daniel. You know, he's the picture perfect guy that wins Big Brother. You know, he's the attractive guy, and he has the 
attractive girl and he's a physical specimen. And then, you know, of course, too, Gino has also proven that he's not a dumbass that usually falls in line with, you know, the jock guy. And I mean, plus in his own words from this week, he's a lover boy, you know. He's, yeah. he's not a, he's not a douchebag. He calls Wait, himself a lover did boy. Did he say a lover boy or a mother's yes. boy? No, no he said lover boy. lover boy. Oh, I heard <laughs> mother's boy, which like not exactly. You know, they're synonymous. <laughs> let's be clear. But anyways, no, um, I, I, yeah, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Charles. Yeah, I, I first of all, I very much enjoy your description of him. You're right. It is kind of like your. I mean, that is how you would outline your sketch of, like, what's your ideal Big Brother winner? I'm sure if the producers are like, hey, we need someone to make the Big Brother media runs. They're like, let's pick Gino. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I was going to get ahead of myself. But no, so, I mean, <laughs> Gino is is quite formidable. And he's one of those people, if, if I were putting myself in that house, I am either going to truthfully maybe try to get rid of him within the first couple of weeks especially seeing that he now has a show you know seeing that he has a showmance or i am going to make sure that i am attached at the hip because i mean he he's he's crazy good he's crazy good yeah so with that in mind westoff same question to you uh again as you're making your tier one Obviously, uh, Charles, for Charles, Kevin's in there, and we've talked all season long about the gamesmanship he's displayed, not necessarily perhaps winning competitions, but just maneuvering and, you know, whether it's, you know, conv- getting in Marty's ear about going after Gino or getting in Marty's ear about going after uh, Herman or getting after Marty, you know, all of these different things we've seen. I mean, to Kevin's credit, he's really just the Marty manipulator, and Marty's had all these head-of-household victories. So, like, yeah, I, I get the case for making him Tier 1. What's your Tier 1? What's your take on Gino Westoff? Well, I think that's the perfect example to compare Gino to to show why there's a 1A and a 1B here. Um, it, You know, it's not that Kevin is really good at manipulating Marty. It's that Marty is easily manipulated, and Kevin's the only one taking advantage of it. Um, you know, Gino... I agree. Should should be the favorite for the season. Like he fits that archetype, uh, the Mickey from season uh, twenty one. Uh, you know, he's Tyler. He, I know Tyler didn't win, but um, Xavier even. Uh, he fits that archetype. But what he lacks that even I, I, Tyler and Xavier had it. Mickey, I, I don't know, but uh, what he lacks is like he doesn't play the game outside of the competitions. It's like he turns it on for the HOHs, the POVs, all those kind of things, and then he's got his showmance. But besides that, he doesn't go to work ever. Like people will come to him and he'll play the game if they want to propose things to him. But he's not out there like Kevin's out there working his butt off and you know constantly not only just like building and repairing relationships but just like checking up on 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 relationships like what he should be doing this week is instead of targeting marty realize i know marty's put me up twice 
but the way this guy's acting, like he could be jelly in my hand if I just point him somewhere. And I'd be going to Marty every single night and be like, oh man, Marty, you really betrayed me. Canada's going to make you look so bad. Like I'm so hurt. Why don't you go and do this for me and, and help me target this person and point Marty somewhere rather than take out what is this possible huge asset for you. So that's really the distinction between what Gino should be a 1A, but he's really a 1B compared to the Kevins who really maintain those relationships. That's a perfect place for us to transition into where Gino's will say the chink in his armor, right? The uh, perhaps place for vulnerability for him. And it's so fascinating to hear his parents, right? And letter after letter, I was going to say that. (laughs) I on the prize. I actually don't think that, I mean, obviously that's a reference to. You know, not all J.C. Lynn all the time, but maybe that's the way of saying, hey, get your head in the game. Like, do more plotting, do more planning. At the same time, I do wonder if that if he went out of his way to plot and plan, if that just puts the target on his back and makes it that much bigger. Because he's already winning competitions left and right, and it's just, you know, here's his option. Be openly lied to and make a bad decision based on a lie, or not play the game and win his competitions and just try to earn himself a victory by simply outplaying everyone in all of the competitions. And to his credit, that had to work to a certain point. But look, he was given power this week and he had to make another decision. And again, with no clear alliances, there's no clear cut target. And to his vulnerability, his flaw, you know, again, he makes a personal vendetta. And he says, I'm sick of Marty going after me, all this backdoor nonsense. Now's my chance to get him out. But rather than just make that decision from the get-go, he tries to get a little cute. You know, tries to say, I don't want Marty competing in the power veto competition. I'm going to try and work a backdoor. I'm going to find other options. I'm going to go with Summer, who I have no real loyalty to and who doesn't really have a clear tie-in to the household. And I'm going to go after Moose as well because Moose is my friend. Uh, at the same time, you know, he can win a power veto competition, maybe get himself off the block, and then I'll be able to put Marty on. The key thing being... If one of Summer or Moose wins the power of veto, they take themselves off. Now I get to put on Marty. This is where you say maybe he just isn't playing the game because he wouldn't have been the best at that part of the game. Like, let's just start there. And I'm going to do some editorializing here. Fundamentally, I think that was a terrible choice. Like, I just, you, the power center for him, yes, you know. Which, Moose is a good player. Which choice is, is is the wrong choice? Putting Marty being the putting, backdoor target, or Moose the and Summer? Uh, okay. Both. It's just fundamentally he missed on this on this week of power because alternatively to him, because he is certainly working alleged, you know, certainly with J.C. Lynn. There's the loose group of five himself: Marty, Kevin, Helena, J.C. Lynn. In no group is Gino associated with Josh. In no group is Gino associated with Betty. Why not go after one of them? And even if your target is Marty, now you're not taking out someone who may not be an ally because Moose maybe wasn't a clear-cut ally, but he certainly wasn't an enemy, and Moose was going to be hungry for allies. He would have been easy adding to the J.C. Lynn-Gino combination. Ditto with let, Summer. Let me jump in real quick. A little free agent than anything. Well, I, I, my well, point being, I don't know why he puts up two players who aren't, strategically against him like josh and betty i think he well, can even see strategically so are not yeah, on his side that's why i want to jump in though is it it wasn't shown on the show and this is kind of what i said earlier there is just this week right now that we're talking about josh and betty do form a four-person alliance with jace and gino so they like 
that's the correct move. Like form an alliance and protect yourself from the from the blind side on the, uh, after this week. Um, but they didn't show that on the show because it ends up not working out when he doesn't need them to help target Marty anymore. So I, but it's that same thing where he didn't approach Josh and Betty. Josh and Betty came to him because he was the HOH. And so it wasn't him actively pursuing that route. It kind of just fell in his lap again because he won the power. So uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know if that changes your opinion of no, what he, but he was looking adds at. To but. It, why go after Marty? Like, was it really worth it? Yeah, Marty's a strong player, but he would have been an easy ally. Moose, uncommitted, would have been a potential ally. Summer, uncommitted, could have been a potential ally. Right there, there's your group of five. Like, those five... Get to the final five and can pick off Josh. Betty, or how about Polina. eight days ago, there was almost a, v- a flip vote to send Gino out of the house. Remember who was there and one of those should be your target. That's what I'm yeah, 100% I, agree. And so with all of that said, I'll go to you now, Charles. Gino fucked this week up. I mean, obviously, Marty is a favorite of mine, so I was pretty upset with him going for him. However, you know, and I think he did say it himself, you know, he was starting to try and think about managing the jury and building his resume in the sense of, oh, well, Marty's my ally and it's going to look like a big game move and like I have the biggest balls in the house because I'm now taking out somebody that I'm aligned to and I think that he became so enamored with that that prospect that it kind of blinded him from actually sitting down and thinking through a better I guess I guess we'll use the word better but a better game move you know because again I think that you know, he was so vengeful and it's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get Marty and this is going to look good on my resume because he's an ally and I have to be the one to do it. No, like you didn't have to be the one to do it. And now, you know, we haven't gotten there yet. But Well, you know. setting aside well, well, whether or not Marty was the right choice, let's set that aside. Do you agree with the choice to backdoor him? 100%. With how... The trend of this season has gone. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Everyone with players in the power veto. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You you have to. It's been used like five out of the six weeks, I think. Yeah. So and uh, again, Marty as well. And the draw they got, he can compete. Yeah. So you got Moose and, and Summer, who are both going to fight to get off the block, and then your other three are Helena, wait, who's never won. Wait, wait. I, th- I think you misspoke. Moose and Summer, Summer is going to. F- Someone's no, no. gonna fight to get off the block. <laughs> she's Come she's on going now. to try. I she I give her zero <laughs> chance to win it, but at least she'll no, try. No. <laughs> but whatever, she's a nothing factor. Moose could Moose can win it, and that's a good thing. You want someone to win it and use it. Uh, and then the other two, I, the other three people were Josh, who would win it and use it. Um, who was the? I've got it written. Oh, uh, Helena, Josh, Summer. I wrote Summer twice. Who was the last? Uh, oh, JC Lynn. Jace. Yeah, which yeah. like perfect Summer, for Jace, Gino. Josh, perfect for Gino because he'll she'll do what he says. And then uh, Helena, who hasn't won anything. That's like you couldn't get a better draw. Marty's not playing. Kevin also would have probably been a non-factor, but at least he probably got a puzzle. It's like he got the best possible power of veto draw 
to do what he wanted to do and complete the back door. So it's not like I, I don't fault the plan of the back door. I just fault the Marty aspect of it. Yeah. And this right. is where you go. Are things scripted? Maybe because we get to the power of veto <laughs> competition and it's a squirt gun competition that you hit off the pieces with the squirt gun. You then have to build this puzzle again. Multi-part. Very, very fun. <laughs> Something it feels like you'd be doing at like an amusement park, like Cedar Point, Six Flags, whatever it may be. Um, and, you know, ultimately, it is Helena who puts the puzzle together, who figures it out, who wins the competition. And I'll defer to you, Westoff, if there was any throwing of the event that we don't know about because I'm sure there was. At the same time, the one person who could put a wrench in Gino's plan wins the competition. Are things rigged? I don't know. Josh did throw it to Helena. He he was close to winning and flubbed it on purpose. So, All right. Well, there you go. Helena takes the victory. Again, ultimately winning the power of veto, and it puts a wrench in the week. And this is where that pendulum shifts from. And I do think the pendulum of power on one end is Josh, Betty, Kevin, you know, again, on the other end is Gino. It feels like Helena winning that power of veto swings the pendulum back to the Josh, Betty, Kevin, Helena side. And can I throw something at you? We didn't. We forgot you to talk not. about this. No, um, this is the one aspect we didn't talk about into the decision-making of Gino before this power of veto competition. He decides not to tell Kevin and Helena about the plan. And he's supposed to be in this five-person alliance with Marty, JC Lynn, uh, Helena, and Kevin. And by keeping them in the dark about the backdoor plan, he thinks that you know he'll be able to smooth it over after it all works out and they send Marty home. And so now that Marty is, or now that the power veto is not going to be used, like now he's kind of screwed. And like now there's this information out there that will probably eventually get leaked and kind of exposed that he may not trust those two in that five sum as much as he lets on. So was that the right decision? Should he just have told them up front? Well, I mean, it got leaked. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> well, I know. Josh it, told him, it, you know. It gets leaked shortly after the, the POV. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but but I was trying to rewind going into the week. Would you mm. would you have told? Because why did he even not tell them he was? Oh, because he thought they would leak it to Marty. Because he thinks they're close to Marty. If he lets them know about the plan, they could leak it before right. to him. So, do you risk it? Like, it's almost like who do you trust more? Uh, Marty to uh, well no that's no factor but uh, I I don't know I th- I, th- well, I, I, I think it was way. I think it was a mistake but again you're you're just you hoping think it was a mistake to not tell yeah because well no you're right they probably would have told Marty <laughs> I I don't know where I lie on this <laughs> I was the one asking the question so you, you guys yeah. <laughs> I don't have to make no, a decision no I mean again. It's tough because certainly you can understand big picture why Gina would be frustrated with Marty, right? At the same time, part of what makes the best players in Big Brother, at least in my experience, the best is that you can get through the pettiness. That the moment you see an opportunity, you seize on it. And more than anything else for Gino, this was an opportunity late in the game to reset the chess pieces and kind of, as we have an open house, uh, capitalize on that opening. But again, Helena takes the power of veto. Moose stays up on the block. He's the immediate target, and he is, respectfully, the bigger threat than Summer. At the same time, those producers said, no, 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 no. This week is not over. 
We don't have to go through the opening of the doors, the pool table shit. Did she sneak out? Did she sneak in? What were the different things? You know, again, I don't really care about the mechanics of it or her putting together the puzzle piece at the end and that it took her four minutes and 45 seconds for something that I think... Honestly, my, my three-year-old like niece could do probably. Yeah, like the, the pieces on an A did not look that hard. It was not the best performance for JC Lynn, but she ultimately wins that secret power of veto. She does not use it, and you know the you know when they come down to the veto ceremony, they make the announcement. That Kevin comes out. He's got this huge disappointing look on his face, like how the fuck did I not find this? And by the way, there was a gem revealed during the week that Marty spends like an hour a day just ro- walking around the house searching for things, <laughs> like. Marty's not already not the most popular cat in the neighborhood. Can you imagine like the hour day where he's just searching for shit where everyone's like, what is this guy doing? <laughs> uh, but and I, we love Marty. We love Marty, Charles. Don't give me that look. We love Marty. But what I'm trying to say is JC Lynn gets the secret power of veto. She find, you know, she thinks to her and she's told, and I do think this is a key point to mention, you cannot tell anyone. And she goes to Gino's room and she says, well, if there was another veto, would you use it? And he's like, well, what do you mean? Like, what aren't you telling me? And like, you know, there's this awkward conversation where she's clearly hiding something from him. Ultimately, JC Lynn does not tell anyone. She preserves the secret power veto. She does not use it to backdoor Marty. Start with you, Charles. Mistake or not a mistake? Uh, Good question. I lean toward mistake just because I have a soft spot for Marty. Um, but in general, I think that that they did make the right decision not to use it um, in that moment. You know, because with the five that they're trying to mend and tensions are already kind of high because of past mistakes, I think someone needed to truly truly kind of stick out the olive branch and i think that it was a good move to just say hey you know what we're going to move on from this we could do this to you and we didn't which i'm getting a little ahead but um no i i I think it was i think they were right or she was right not to use it west off can I use an answer that's somewhat informed you may by use future? The power of veto on this question. <laughs> yes, I'm going to allow it. No, I, especially knowing how some events play out, um, it's a <laughs> it's a huge mistake for her. Uh-huh. Because the problem is, they spent the whole beginning of this week telling everybody but Kevin and Helena that the plan is to backdoor Marty, and even those two eventually find out that the plan is to backdoor Marty, and so. Uh, air quotes here or like hint hint Um, if this information were to leak that JC Lynn had the secret power of veto and did not backdoor Marty after telling the whole house that they were that was the intention that's a real vulnerability moving forward here in these final few weeks that could easily be exposed by someone whose name might rhyme with Devin so <laughs> <laughs> here he comes so super producer Daniel Westoff right I was gonna say when are we gonna get to our Kevin moment <laughs> so ultimately then power of veto is not used Moose does his best to try to rally the troops and I do think he made a really convincing case that again he made in the room when <clears throat> Gino Gino to his credit 
lover boy, man of class, tells Moose, hey, I'm putting you up on the block, but you're the pawn. And I'm going to get you off, and we're going to put up Marty. Moose makes his case like, hey, don't do that. Use someone else. I don't want it to be me, but I understand if it is me. You know, again, Moose made a really good case to JC Lynn afterwards. Hey, me, you, Gino, we'll find two others. We can be the power vacuum here and get ourselves to the final. That, to me, is where, like, Moose was right. I know I'm being convinced here, but, like, Summer was like, I'm not going to make any promises. I'm not going to tell you anything. Like, vote for me. Don't vote for me. Do what you got to do, which you're just kind of like, In the I words get of it. Summer, kiss my black ass. Yeah. yeah. Summer's <laughs> not mine, Charles. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's what she yeah. said. No, but. Summer, but, the worst nominee ever, will make no concessions and won't, bat, like, do anything to help her game at all. At that point, you have to be offering, like, I'll do anything. Vote for me. And she's like, nah, vote for me. You're done. It's like. You don't know how to play this game. <laughs> it will. That's my point. Is you look again more broadly here. I get why the household, which again, Josh, Kevin, Helena, Betty, view Moose as the bigger threat than they do Summer, because Summer is not a threat. And yeah, she's a wild card, but a wild card is not a threat. She is not a tier one competitor. Moose is not tier one, but he had tier one upside. Again, this gets back to the theme of the week. Gino fucked this one up. Like, he had a chance to really consolidate Parter, put put to uh, power, put to bed any qualms with Marty, say, hey, it's me and you the rest of the way. We're winning everything. I got your back this week. Let's go after. You are pissed off because, as Westoff said, let's remember a week ago, you know, I have admitted Josh and Betty convinced me, Marty, to try and backdoor to you, Gino. Let's go after them now together. That was the silver platter offering, Westoff, and Gino didn't take it. And... Perhaps in week seven, it may have lost him the game. Yeah. And, you know, I think that what puts all this in perspective is his initial target was Marty. And the person who ends up being evicted on his HOA terrain is Moose. And both of those players, if he were a player more in the Kevin mold, who could really use the relationships and the social game to manipulate people, both Marty and Moose with if he played the week the right way, could have been allies that would have gone to the end with him and like mm-hmm. protected him. And it could have been Gino, JC Lynn, Marty and Moose, and probably even summer versus the rest of the house. And they would have the numbers and the power, but like he doesn't play the social game. He just wins the competitions and then just does whatever the house wants. And so that's really where the exposes the weakness of this week is like, dude, the two guys that you targeted and ended up evicting could have been your allies and assets for you. So it's just a loss for him. Charles, final thoughts on this go to you. Oh, I, I agree a hundred percent. It's, it was just a weak move, you know, and it's, it's kind of one of those things where I've enjoyed the season overall. W E A K or W E E K. Boo. W E A. Yeah. That one was for me. Thank you. I'm like, okay. You can evict um, that joke. It's fine. <laughs> but, you know, I I hate that Gino, as Daniel already said, just like kind of lets people come to him. You know, yeah. it's like he's he's relying Reactive, on not proactive. Yeah. He's relying on the popularity card it's like oh i'm attractive so people are gonna flock to me i don't have to do anything yeah and i and i hate that you know um 
Well, so, well speaking yeah. for the attractive people on this podcast, it's a nice. Oh, uh, well, thank you, thank you. You, yeah, you could be attractive and super social. Look at Tyler from BB Twenty. He had it both. <laughs> yeah. See, <laughs> but we yeah, have, fair. But uh, Gino's a firefighter, though, so he kind of fits no, the I mean, mold. Again, Strong, silent so, type. So with that in mind, I didn't mean to cut you off, Charles. Let's no, go you to, didn't. You're good. Okay, let's go to the Alliance update then and talk about, again, some final categories here before we wrap today's show. And we'll be back pretty quickly this week. I'm speaking now for myself. I'm happy to record again as we're all about to watch that final episode of Week 7 so we can get back here pretty quickly to play the update game because I think that week's on the tip of all of our tongues. But let's play the Alliance update. Power rankings. Here's my top three. I'll start with you, Charles. Westoff, this gives you time because I know you get mad at me when I do things like this. And you're like, why didn't you? You're like, you know, I live down the hall. You could have just said, hey, we're going to do top threes. Um, We're going to do top three alliances here. I'm going to say the most powerful alliance right now in the house is Gino J.C. Lynn. Simply because Gino wins head of houses. J.C. Lynn is a second vote. Just the utility of that property is the single most valuable. Honestly, after that, I mean, the answer is Josh and Betty or Kevin and Helena for the next two. But you could make a strong case that the spoiler in the top three is Marty and whatever emotions he's feeling that week. Because honestly, that's the most volatile thing. And like that does kind of dictate who's on his alliance that week, whether it's the Gino J.C. Lynn side or the Kevin Helena side that has the power in any given week. Like Marty is that swing player right now because he's had so much power. But again, I want to start with you, Charles. I'll go formal list. Gino J.C. Lynn won. <sighs> Kevin Helena two because they have the ability to be in Marty's ear. And then Josh and Betty three in terms of our most powerful alliances right now. I don't think any threesomes, foursomes, fivesomes crack the list. Uh, I'm going to go the ghosts, which are um, Kevin and Helena. That's my number one. Um, You know, obviously cop wins are important. Um, I disagree on your point of they're only manipulating Marty. Because I think when you really get down to it at a molecular level, that they actually have a lot of inner workings going on and are in a lot of people's ears. So I feel like they're definitely controlling, which I hate to say because I'm not the biggest fan of Elena, but she has done some good talking in the past few weeks. I don't mean to interrupt because I I agree with your point completely. I should have clarified. I think the most important influencing they've done is of Marty, but you're absolutely right. That's not their only influencing. For sure. For sure. Um, So that places him at number one for me. Then, of course, we're going to go with the um, power couple of Canada being... Gino and JC Lynn. I was so uh, confused when you were going to go there. I thought you were going to be like, I don't know, like Justin <laughs> and his wife. I was like, where are you going here? Um, after that, you know, truthfully, just from a numbers standpoint, the five is there. But obviously, we know that doesn't really work out very well. So. I'm just going to stick with the two couples and move on. No three? You're not going to go? No. Would you go Betty and Josh over Marty and whoever on any given – like in your mind, who's more powerful, Betty, Josh, or Marty and whoever? 
Marty and whoever. I don't disagree with, with you. West. Without a thought. Yeah, West off. <laughs> I totally disagree. Uh, <laughs> um, my 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 power rankings. Um, I would say the most powerful couple is probably the Showmance because despite the fact that they don't really build too many alliances, um, it's still super powerful to have two athletic and pretty good at puzzle. I, I, I don't know where JC Lynn is on puzzles, but Gino is some sort of puzzle genius. Apparently he just can't spell the word nominee. So, uh, but the power <laughs> to, to be in all the competitions and have uh, the ability to win them, it's super powerful. So I put them up there. Um, but the, I put the ghost second, uh, Kevin and Helena, because they are very good at building alliances, manipulating, just shading influence on people. Uh, they just don't show any sort of, um, ability to win competitions unless it's thrown to them. But I'd say the kicker here is <clears throat> the crash test dummies, which is the ghost plus Josh. Uh, and, it's how much does Josh trust in that crash de- test dummies alliance? Because if he's halfway in, then I think power swings back to the showmats because they're an unbreakable bond. And with the athleticism, like that puts them over a half in threesome. But if Josh is all in to this crash test dummies uh, and will make game moves to help further that threesome, then I would that that's I think that's the central power in the house. So I th- and I think that's going to be really influential in how the next you know last three weeks of this game play out. Yeah. So with that in mind, let's look towards the final three weeks. Our final final question for both of you again: three favorites we'll go with here. And Westoff, do you have the list of players who are still in the house? Just the full list of names. I don't want to mess around. If you have who's still alive going into week seven. Um, yeah, I'll just read them off because if I share the screen, it'll show you who's gone in the triple eviction. I don't want to spoil it for you guys that yeah, after we go watch this. Uh, still in the house, Betty, Helena, JC Lynn, Josh, Kevin, Marty, uh, Gino, and Summer. All right. Of those names, Charles, give me your top three. Ooh, uh, Kevin... Now this is getting hard. Um, I'm going to go Kevin, Jace. Over Gino? I'm not the biggest fan of Gino. Again, I think I just mentally go against that type, so it's hard for me to kind of get on board. Um, Yeah, Kevin, Jace, and I'm going to have to probably say... Josh, even though I don't feel great about it. Westoff? Really trying to put my blinders on here. Yeah, uh, you can't answer I, I, this question. No, you can't answer uh, okay. this question because you know it too well. Okay. I would say Gino has to be in the top three. I mean, Marty's won a million competitions, but he's got the biggest target on his back just because everyone's like, all right, eventually we have to get to Marty. Um, yeah, and then I think it probably has to be Josh or Betty. Like one of those two or, – or excuse me. It's probably got to be Kevin just because he's in the ear of everyone and he's not going to be the open target for anyone because everyone feels like they're working with him. So Kevin belongs in that top three. 
Um, I would agree with you guys there. All right. With that said, because we cut you off, final thoughts of the week go to you, Daniel Westoff. No, I wasn't ready for my final thoughts. Um, <laughs> that's uh, it. Again, because I'm living in the future here, it's going to be a very fun upcoming week. Um, well, it's a triple eviction week. We can announce that. Yeah. There's no harm in that. There is another – it's not a secret power, but there's a secret mission this week that I found pretty fun. Um, and I just – already going into the week after that, like the game is still completely up in the air and no one knows who the hell is going to win this. So this Big Brother Canada season just – is giving us all of the drama and all the competition and it's it's stayed interesting longer than most big brother seasons do so kudos and i'm looking forward to seeing how this final two weeks three weeks plays out yeah it's gonna be really fun charles Agreed. Um, you know, my big takeaway, as I've said since day one, and I will continue to say it, Summer is annoying as fuck. Um, <laughs> please get her off of my TV screen. Um, can't deal with it. Bye-bye. Um, but no, I agree with, with Daniel again. I'm just on the Daniel train today. Um, I've usually kind of mentally checked out of BBUS at this point. Mm-hmm. I watch the rest of the season, but it's kind of reluctantly because it just becomes uninteresting and I'm kind of mentally checked out. But right now, I mean, again, I've watched a couple of episodes moving into next week and I mean, I've, I'm in it (laughs) for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, with that said, again, week six of big brother Canada season 10 in the books, we will be back later this week to break down week seven. What promises to be an exciting week of action as, again, home stretch of this season starting to be upon us. Of course, as always, a shout out to the two of you, Daniel Westoff, Charles Matthews, for helping me steer the ship on today's show. With that said, this has been your newest episode of A Bitter Jury. We will see you all a little later this week. Thanks for listening, everyone. 